Chapter 74 Fiora woke up feeling better than she had in days. And worse. As much as she had wished to return to the ocean, it felt strange to be back. She stared at the shifting blue light dancing against the coral reefs and sighed. A stream of bubbles danced towards the surface, sparkling like diamonds in the morning sun. Fiora pushed off the bed and floated through the water. Her hair swirled around her, a dark cloud since it was still dyed with squid ink. Fiora. You're awake. Zoe zipped towards her cousin but stopped just short of tackling her. Do you feel better? Fiora nodded and frowned at the dark bruises on Zoe's torso. How do you feel? Why haven't they healed you? Zoe shrugged. They did, but it will take time for the marks to fade because they were so deep. You've got a new scar as well. Fiora glanced down at the thin, silver scar across her tail. Apparently the mirror had cut deeper than she realized. Is everything all right? The kraken are under control. Zoe nodded. And the choirs are searching for Leander. He disappeared into a mirror. I doubt they'll find him. Fiora couldn't begin to understand how that enchantment worked. Perhaps she and Gustav could figure it out together. Gustav. Was he well? Had he suffered any injuries from being transformed into a statue? Fiora combed through her hair, searching for the pearl ring. She knew she shouldn't use it. The forbidden magic was dangerous and unpredictable. But surely one more day wouldn't hurt. She would go to Montaigne and explain everything. Explain why she had to leave him. Or maybe, if he still wanted her, she would stay. The magic was risky, but so were a lot of things in life. Fiora's hands combed through her hair and found nothing. She twisted her hair together and pulled it around so she could see the ends. The ring wasn't there. It must have come loose and fallen out during the fight. Her heart sank. Fiora, are you all right? Fiora shook her head. Without the pearl, she had no way to be with Gustav. Well, no way that lasted more than three days at a time. Not to mention the enchantment would take her voice and cause her pain. How much was she willing to sacrifice to return to the shore? Zoe noticed Fiora's distress and wrapped her in a hug. Fiora returned it. Maybe she could find the ring someday. It was probably buried in sand by now, but she could dig. Maybe she would find more of Dale's forks while she was at it. Everyone is meeting in the throne room, Zoe said. They're waiting for you to wake up before they decide anything important. Race you there? Mischief gleamed in the young mermaid's eyes. Fiora grinned in spite of everything and flicked her tail to claim a head start. It was fun, racing Zoe through the summer city. Moving was easier underwater. Like flying. Fiora turned a somersault even though she knew it would give Zoe time to catch up. Zoe grabbed her hands and spun her around. Fiora's hair streamed behind her. Zoe's short hair stuck out from her head in all directions. The sight sobered Fiora's mood. Much had been sacrificed last night. For her. I'm sorry about your hair, Zoe. The mermaid shook her head, sending her short hair flying through the water. It's fun, although I feel a bit naked. Fiora laughed, and they continued towards the castle. They swam up the sides of the building and darted through an opening in the ceiling. Trays of food floated throughout the room. 
Fiora grimaced. Some things never changed. The disgusting blobs that passed as food underwater were apparently one of them. Fiora. Are you feeling well? Kathleen beamed as Fiora swam into the room. Althea looked angry. But then, she always looked angry. Behind them, Queen Galaris beckoned for Fiora to come closer. Madame Isla floated beside the queen. The mermaid held a fishing net full of lumps of cloth that had probably been dresses once. Fiora hoped Madame Isla wasn't preparing for another seduction. There was no point without the ring. She swam to her grandmother and touched her tail to her forehead in a bow. I understand you helped in the defeat of Leander and the Kraken, Queen Galarus said. Fiora nodded. He was working with a human. Combining magic. My magic is already combined since I'm half-human, so I was able to counter his charms. Queen Galarus nodded. Doubtless she already knew all this information, but she still looked pleased. If one merman working with humans caused so much chaos, it seems wise for us to seek out human allies who could help us understand their ways and prevent further disasters. The royal family of Montaigne seems trustworthy. Do you agree? Fior nodded, too surprised to speak. Tell me about them, Queen Galarus said. They were kind to me. They're kind to everyone. And honorable. And? She stopped because her grandmother was looking rather amused. Princess Fiora may be biased about the humans of Montaigne, but I believe she is also correct, Madame Isla said. And they know sign language, Kathleen said. A most useful quality for human allies. Queen Galarus looked to Althea. The mermaid gave a sharp nod but said nothing. You gave him the message? The queen signed. And he agreed. Althea signed back. Fiora raised an eyebrow. Everyone in the chamber understood the signs, so the private conversation was hardly private. Although she still had no idea what they meant. Very well, Queen Galarus said. We will proceed as planned. You all will go to the royal humans in Montaigne and begin negotiations for a treaty. Madame Isla has secured clothing for you. Madame Isla waved the fishing net full of fabric with one hand and lifted a familiar conch shell with the other. Fiora blinked when she realized that she was being included in the group. Is it safe for me to use the transformation song again? You don't need to, Kathleen said. You can use this. She held up the ring. The pearl gleamed in the shifting underwater light. Fiora laughed with relief. You found it. She grabbed the gem and held it close to her heart. Are you sure this charm is safe to use? Queen Galarus said. This magic is forbidden for a reason. We've taken precautions, Althea said. And we will take further measures if he doesn't keep his word. That won't help her if she's dead. But it will make us feel better. Fiora raised an eyebrow. Was her aunt making a joke? That would be a first but it was difficult to tell for sure. What on earth were they talking about? Let's go. Zoe said. We're going to see the humans. She grabbed a golden ball from beside the queen's throne, tossed it up, and caught it as it slowly descended in the water. Queen Galarus nodded. That human charm will be quite useful. Capture everything you see, Zoe. Of course. 
and that seemed to settle the matter. Fiora, Kathleen, Althea, Zoe, and Madame Isla swam towards shore. Althea and Kathleen took turns singing to create currents that pulled the mermaids quickly through the water. They swam towards the docks, but Fiora directed them to the empty shoreline by the castle instead. Five mermaids emerging naked from the water in the middle of a shipyard would cause chaos for multiple reasons. They hid behind a rock while Madame Isla pulled the gowns out of the fishing net and laid them out to dry. They were in varying states of decay and looked like they had come from a variety of countries at various points throughout history. Spot landed nearby and studied the mermaids hopefully. Fiora hummed a tune, pulled a fish out of the water, and threw it to him. The gull squawked and flew away with his prize. Fiora lifted her ring, preparing to transform into a human. Wait. Madame Isla offered Fiora a small vial of liquid. Would you like to remove the squid ink from your hair first? I still think changing your appearance is a good way to catch the attention of a human man. Fiora laughed. Madame Isla didn't give up easily. But she took the bottle. She had spent enough time hiding. This time when she returned to the human world, Fiora would do so as herself. Chapter 75 Gustav hurried to the dining room, silently scolding himself for sleeping so late. He had intended to get up early and have a private conversation with father, grandmother, and Colette. Instead, he was late for breakfast and hadn't had a chance to warn anyone about what would happen today. And a lot would happen today. Gustav stopped to gather his thoughts before he entered the room. He needed his composure for this. He needed to be king. He swallowed when he saw how full the dining room was. It made sense for the royal gala guests to attend the meal, but Gustav had forgotten about them after everything that had happened last night. When he had pictured the scene, he had only imagined his family. They were there, of course. Colette, King Francois, and Dowager Queen Bernadine sat at the head of the table. Thomas hovered beside Bernadine, translating the numerous conversations happening as best he could. Prince Leonardo, Princess Lenora, Prince Edric, Lady Annabel, and Elaine sat on Colette's side of the table. Princess Serafina and Prince Massimo were absent. Serafina had announced last night that they would rise early and sail with the tide. Unlike Gustav, it appeared that she had followed through with her intentions and woke up on time. Marquis Corbeau, Marchioness Rouge, and several other council members sat on the king's side. Captain Whist and Dale the merchant sat with them. The chair at the other end of the table was empty. Waiting for him. Gustav took it and gestured for the head waiter. Have five extra places ready to set if necessary, he whispered. I'm expecting a few more guests. I'm not sure when they will arrive, but they may be here before the meal ends. The waiter nodded and hurried away to make the preparations. I apologize for my tardiness, Gustav said. It is quite understandable, Your Majesty, Prince Leonardo said. You had an eventful evening last night. Gustav waited for more questions, but no one asked. He looked to Colette. I've already told everyone what happened, she signed. And slipped the important details to the most gossipy servants, so the whole castle should know by now. I thought it would be awkward if everyone kept asking about your bride. Yes, that would be excessively awkward. 
with everything else that had happened, Gustav had almost forgotten about his wedding. Granted, he couldn't remember much of it even when he tried. Just a golden fog and blissful happiness. And dull regret that he couldn't shake no matter how many times he told himself that he had been cursed. That what happened with Elspeth had not been his fault. We've annulled the marriage on grounds of magical coercion, Dowager Queen Bernadine signed. Believe it or not, there is a precedent for that. Gustav believed it. He nodded his thanks and looked out the window to the sea. It stretched to the horizon, gray and empty. Please let them come. Let the mermaids keep their word and come. You look well, father, Gustav said, forcing his attention back to the dining room. King Francois smiled at his son. I feel well, although I have a lot to catch up on. I apologize to those present if I am a little behind in matters of state. Spending a year as a statue will do that to you. He cast a curious look at Prince Edric but said nothing further. The growing frequency of magical attacks is rather alarming, Prince Leonardo said. I'm going to urge my father to work with Montaigne and Ionia to find the cause. Perhaps with a free exchange of information we can better understand what is happening. We don't have much information to exchange, Elaine said. That may be true, but you seem to have a knack for finding what is available. My library is at your disposal if you wish to use it for your research. Oh. Thank you. Elaine's eyes glittered with excitement at the prospect of exploring a new library. The royal family of Montaigne would be happy to share. Gustav didn't get the chance to finish his offer. The doors burst open, and five women walked into the dining room. Everyone gasped. The women did make quite a spectacle. Their hair was tangled and tousled from the wind. Their clothes were damp and wrinkled and clung to their skin. The women dripped on the floor, creating five sizable puddles around their bare feet as they stood in the doorway. Gustav shook off his surprise and looked closer at each of his guests. Madame Isla wore an ornate gown that was probably red at one point, but had faded an unappealing shade of pink. The bodice was too small and strained at the seams, while the large puffed sleeves drooped around her arms like soggy pastries. Her white hair was pinned up with a number of forks. Dale leaned forward in his seat and studied the forks with interest. Althea and Kathleen wore matching green dresses that were far too big for them and hung awkwardly around their bodies. If anything, the matching outfits only highlighted their differences. Althea looked displeased with everyone and everything in the room, while Kathleen looked delighted. Zoe's dress was bright yellow and in worse shape than the rest. Its fabric was so threadbare that the sleeves had difficulty supporting the garment. The seams had already torn in several places, and the whole thing looked like it might disintegrate at any moment. The color might have been flattering before it was exposed to sea water but Gustav doubted it. Nevertheless, the young mermaid beamed as if she was dressed to the heights of fashion. Then Gustav saw Fiora and forgot everything else in the room. She wore a wrinkled blue dress and held her chin high, as if daring anyone to criticize her appearance. The skirt was too short and showed her bare feet and ankles. As far as he could tell, her feet were no longer in pain. Her hair was red again and hung loose around her shoulders. Gustav had forgotten how bright and brilliant it was. How it complimented her blue eyes. She took his breath away. 
Then she looked at him, and Gustav forgot how to breathe altogether. Her eyes were sad, and it broke Gustav's heart. Did she still feel unsure of him because of what had happened with Elspeth? Or did the sadness have something to do with her past? With the story Althea and Kathleen had told him last night? Madame Isla signed something too quickly for Gustav to catch. Fiora nodded. On behalf of Her Majesty Queen Galaris of the Ocean, we royal sisters have come to negotiate a treaty of peace with the humans of Montaigne. Her voice was so rich and confident and perfect that it took Gustav a moment to process what she had actually said. Her Kellish accent only added to the allure. The rest of the diners reacted slowly as well. But her words caused a stir once they sank in. Everyone at the table turned to their neighbors in surprise. Then they turned to Gustav. He looked to his father. Surely King Francois would prefer to handle this. After all, he was king now. But his father shook his head and nodded at Gustav. Gustav swallowed. It is an honor, ladies. Please, join us for breakfast. He nodded to the waiters, who hurried to add the extra chairs to the table and set extra places. The spacious table was suddenly rather crowded. And rather more exciting. Zoe tossed a golden ball into the air a few times, then stuffed a croissant into her mouth. Gustav stared. Was that Karina's golden ball? Where had the mermaid found it? This food is amazing. Zoe signed. Try some, Fiora. She reached across the table for another croissant. Her sleeves tore as she moved, leaving the bodice supported by only a few threads. Zoe seemed completely unconcerned with her dress disintegrating, but Fiora and Gustav shared a wary look. I wonder if the royal household of Montaigne would like to provide more durable clothing for my cousin as a gesture of goodwill. Fiora signed. Perhaps a certain sweater? Gustav choked back a laugh. Fiora's expression remained calm, but her eyes twinkled with amusement. He summoned the head waiter again, whispered a few words, then picked up his fork and took a bite of scrambled eggs. Madame Isla stared at him with her jaw dropped. He nodded politely at her and took another bite. The white-haired mermaid watched his every move. Then she pulled a fork from her hair and carefully took a bite from her own plate. Gustav tried to keep eating, but it was difficult to enjoy the food with a mermaid mirroring him. He set down the fork, feeling too self-conscious to eat anything else. Madame Isla started copying Marquis Corbeau instead. He glared at her, and she smiled back. Are you well? Gustav signed to Fiora. She nodded, and her brilliant red hair shimmered in the sunlight as she moved. Is he trying to seduce her? Zoe signed to Madame Isla. Madame Isla didn't answer. She had switched her attention to Lady Annabel, who was eating soup with a spoon. The mermaid picked up a spoon and tried to mimic Annabel's movements. She spilled most of the soup on her dress, but seemed content with the small amount she managed to get into her mouth. Lady Annabel turned her attention to Prince Edric, trying very hard to ignore Madame Isla. The mermaid didn't seem to mind. Perhaps we could stop speaking in signs and have conversations that everyone can understand. Marquis Corbo said. The enchantment that allows mermaids to become human also takes their voice, Fiora said. I'm here to translate as necessary. But they understand speech. 
Dale asked. When Fiora nodded, he turned to the mermaid closest to him. Unfortunately, that mermaid was Althea. My lady, I wonder if I could trouble you to help me find something I lost at the bottom of the ocean? You see, a kraken attacked my ship, and... Althea gave him a look so fierce that Dale grew pale and turned away. Were you able to subdue the kraken? Gustav signed to Fiora. It wasn't what he actually wanted to ask her, but there were too many people at the table who knew sign language for their conversation to be truly private. Not to mention Zoe was recording his every move with that blasted golden ball. Fiora gave him a small smile, and Gustav had the feeling that she understood his hesitation. Perhaps we should begin the negotiations now, Your Majesty, Madam Isla signed. This enchantment takes a lot of magic to sustain, and our queen will be eager to hear the results. Thomas spoke her words out loud for everyone. The head waiter returned with a parcel and handed it to Gustav with a bow. First, a gesture of goodwill, Gustav said. I would like to give you a present. He bowed to Zoe and handed her the box. Her eyes widened with delight as she pulled the sweater out. The colors were even brighter than Gustav remembered, and the jeweled seagulls were unbelievably gaudy in the sunlight. You wear it, Fiora said. Like this. She helped Zoe slip the sweater over her head and arms. Magnificent, Madame Isla signed. It's so soft. Zoe signed. The mermaid stared at the garish stripes with delight. The humans gathered around the table looked both relieved that Zoe was covered and horrified by the sweater. But, you can't, Marquis Corbo stammered. He already has, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. It looks lovely on you, dear. She seemed delighted by the chaos that had descended over breakfast. I believe King Gustav has something to say, Althea signed. She glared at Thomas, who quickly spoke her message out loud. Everyone turned to Gustav. He took a deep breath and pushed away his nerves. He had planned to make this announcement privately first. To discuss it with his family and make sure they understood his reasons. But he had already made up his mind. Perhaps it would be better simply to proceed and see what happened. He stood and nodded at everyone assembled at the table. Please forgive me for interrupting your meal but I have an announcement I must make before negotiations begin. It will only take a moment. He signed the words as well. Thomas was an excellent translator, but Gustav didn't want his grandmother to hear this from a second-hand source. She gave him a piercing look, and Gustav had the strange feeling that she already knew what he was going to say. But that was impossible, wasn't it? He himself hardly knew where to begin. As you all may have noticed, I. He stopped. That wasn't quite the right place to start. Then again, he had to start somewhere. As you all may have noticed, I got married last night under magical coercion. I normally would not do something so important in such haste. Especially not when my heart belongs to another. He looked at Fiora, who met his gaze with wide blue eyes. I knew her first as Lady Mare, and I still feel like a fool for not recognizing her true identity sooner. Princess Fiora came to us under a curse, but to me that curse was a blessing because it gave me a chance to know her. Do you think this infatuation is the result of further magical coercion? 
Marquis Corbeau whispered to Marchioness Rouge. Perhaps the skill runs in the family. You're the one who helped him get married so quickly last night, she replied. They're too polite to say it, but that wedding was largely your fault. Marquis Corbeau turned red and stood to his feet. The Marchioness makes an excellent point. In my haste to see King Gustav suitably married, I ignore the signs that something was wrong. I most humbly apologize for that. He sounded genuinely sorry. Gustav couldn't remember the Marquis ever apologizing before. That's quite all right. And I think there is a lesson to be learned from last night. No matter how strong your feelings, it does no good to be hasty when making decisions. Especially about matters of the heart. He cast a significant look at Fiora, who returned it with a scowl. Gustav sighed. He had been trying to build a solid case and explain his reasons. But perhaps in this instance, it was best to be blunt and simply say what he meant. I am abdicating the throne to be with Fiora. Madame Isla and the other mermaids will negotiate with my sister Colette and my father to arrange the treaty. Lady Annabel let out an enraged squeak. Everyone else stared at him in stunned silence. Their expressions varied. His grandmother looked a little surprised but Gustav guessed it was more from his bold manner of speaking than the content of his announcement. Leonardo, Lenora, and Edric looked bewildered. As did his council members. Colette jumped to her feet. Gustav, that isn't necessary. Fiora is a princess. You can marry her and still be king. What did I just say about being hasty? Marquis Corbo said. You were hasty last night and look where that got you. You're sure, Gustav? Bernadine signed. I'm sure. I know I missed a lot, King Francois said, but apparently I missed even more than I realized. Gustav, what is this about? Gustav looked at Fiora. She seemed almost as confused as everyone else in the room. Blast, he was not handling this as well as he had hoped. Princess Fiora is half-mermaid, Gustav began. He paused, searching for the right words. Fiora's mother was a mermaid who fell in love with King Fergal of Kell. Her sisters made her a ring that would let her use the love of a human man to share his life and transform herself into a human. But when his brother died, Fergal's responsibilities as king pulled him away from Nyssa. He chose his duties to his kingdom over his love, and that caused Nyssa's death. Fiora still has the ring, and it will allow her to remain human through my love. But she must have me completely. I must value her above my other responsibilities, and I cannot do that if I am serving as king. Not to mention this country deserves better than a conflicted monarch. That is why I must abdicate. As much as I love Montaigne, I cannot risk Fiora's life for my country. Besides, Colette will make an excellent queen. After only a few days, she has already. Gustav had been so caught up in his speech that he didn't realize Fiora had moved until she threw her arms around him and kissed him. Chapter 76 Fiora kissed Gustav thoroughly before pulling away. After all her time without her voice, she had realized that sometimes actions were more efficient than words. Are you sure? She whispered. I didn't ask this of you. You didn't have to. He wrapped his arm around her waist and they faced the table together. 
Fiora met Dowager Queen Bernadine's gaze first. The queen looked rather pleased with this turn of events. You knew, Fiora signed. I guessed. Fiora didn't ask how. Bernadine probably wouldn't explain anyway. Your Majesty, your abdication is completely unnecessary, Marquis Corbo said. Princess Fiora may be a bit brash, but Kel has a respectable lineage. There is no reason she couldn't make a suitable queen with a proper education. And many monarchs maintain a balance between ruling and loving their family. He's already abdicated, Fiora said. He doesn't have to listen to you anymore. I liked you better when you couldn't speak. No, you didn't. The Marquis shrugged in agreement. Gustav, I... Colette's voice failed her. I don't know what to say, she signed. I never plan to rule this country. I'm not sure I can. Of course you can, Gustav said. And you won't be alone. I still don't think this is necessary. There is more to the story, Althea signed. Fiora looked at her in surprise. Thomas translated, and the conversations around the table quieted. When Fiora sacrificed herself to save Gustav last night, she changed the enchantment by sharing her life with him. They are bound to each other through that ring. Fiora looked at the ring with surprise. Is that why there are strands of copper in the pearl? Her aunt nodded. You hold Gustav's life as much as he holds yours. If you abandon him for another, he will die as Nyssa did. Fiora swallowed as a strange weight of responsibility settled over her. I'm sorry, she whispered, squeezing Gustav's arm. I didn't mean to. Don't you dare apologize for saving my life. He winked at her, and Fiora laughed. But even that doesn't mean that Gustav needs to abdicate, Colette said. They can rule together. Gustav, you've prepared your whole life for this. I. You're capable and strong, Fiora said. And you're not alone. She gestured to everyone at the table. To Dowager Queen Bernadine and King Francois. To Marquis Corbeau and Marchioness Rouge. You are more than capable, my dear, King Francois said. And I'm here to help now. If Gustav truly wants to do this, then I support him. You'll be an excellent queen, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. I'll teach you everything I know. And I'll teach you everything that you actually need to know. Marchioness Rouge said. Dowager Queen Bernadine turned to Thomas for a translation. He swallowed nervously before signing the words, but Bernadine just laughed. I'll still be available to answer questions if you need me, Gustav said. Yes, we'll help as we can, Fiora said, surprising herself. You're my friend. I won't abandon you so easily. She had definitely spent too much time in Montaigne but perhaps that wasn't a bad thing. Tell them the rest, Gustav, Althea signed. He nodded. Last night, the merfolk offered me a position as a liaison between them and the human world, and I accepted. And as a royal sister, Fiora will serve as an ambassador for the mermaids on land, Madame Isla signed. As a princess of mermaids and humans, she is uniquely qualified to bridge the gap between us. Fiora blinked, too surprised to speak. Thomas spoke the words out loud so for everyone. We recommended this to Queen Galeris last night, and she agreed with us, Kathleen signed. 
This responsibility is different than ruling a country and should not interfere with the enchantment. Of course this means you'll have to visit often. Turn Gustav into a frog, and he can come with you. Fiora felt Gustav shudder. She interlaced her fingers with his. Perhaps it would be fun to be a frog? He laughed and squeezed her hand. So you've abdicated your throne and become engaged to a mermaid princess serving as an ambassador for the Queen of the Sea. Martianus Rouge said. This may actually be a very strategic match. An alliance with the ocean will be very beneficial for Montaigne. She shared a look with Marquis Corbo, who nodded reluctantly. Given the events of the past few weeks, improving relations with the merfolk does seem wise. Engaged? I. That is. Gustav stammered. Fiora nudged him with her shoulder and winked at him. He was adorable when he was flustered, but there was no need to rush. They had time now. All the time they needed. I hope the merfolk will consider an offer of friendship from Darluna as well, Prince Leonardo said. We would be honored to form an alliance with our friends in the sea. He smiled at Fiora and each of the mermaids in turn. And you must come visit us when you are able, Fiora, Princess Lenora said. I would be honored to give you a tour of our gardens. A butterfly flew through an open window and landed on her head. Fiora blinked in surprise. After everything that had happened, Lenora still wanted to be friends? Eldria would also like to be part of any treaty negotiations, Prince Edric said. He sounded more like he was reciting a memorized speech for a school assignment than genuinely offering friendship. We are only authorized to negotiate with the humans of Montaigne, but we will bring your good wishes to our queen, Madame Isla signed. Lady Annabel sniffed in disgust, and Fiora fought the urge to laugh. I'd like to know more about mixed magic, Elaine said. I've never heard of such a thing, but perhaps it was a common practice when magic was more prevalent. She looked, not to Fiora, but to Madame Isla. I've read that mermaids can live to be 300 years old. Is that true? Everyone looked from Elaine to Madame Isla with wide eyes. Fiora waited for the mermaid to deny it, but instead she merely looked thoughtful. We'll talk later, Madame Isla signed to Elaine. For now, I agree that we should discover more about mixed magic. It has never been practiced amongst mermaids, and I haven't encountered it in my research. Is there a human who would know the answer to such things? Thomas translated out loud, and Fiora and Gustav shared a look. Please, no, Fiora signed. Not her. Lena might know, Colette said when no one else answered. We should ask her? Fiora's heart sank. Lena was the last person on earth she wanted to talk to. How would you feel about trying out that frog enchantment sooner rather than later? Fiora signed to Gustav. We could hide in the ocean. She expected Gustav to reject the idea, but he seemed to be considering it. Visiting Lena will mean visiting Ionia, he whispered. Stefan and Karina. He shuddered a little, and Fiora laughed. So we hide? I have a feeling your aunts would find us rather quickly. Perhaps it won't be so bad if we're together. Fiora smiled. That would help a little. A very little. If that's settled, perhaps we should finish eating, Dowager Queen Bernadine said. I believe some of our guests are planning to leave after breakfast. 
I wouldn't want to delay them. She cast a significant look at Prince Edric. The prince bowed. Yes, I'm afraid I must be going soon. In fact, I think I should leave now since this meal has gone on rather longer than planned. Merchant Dale, are you still interested in sailing to Eldria with me? Dale looked from the prince to the mermaids, clearly torn between his desire to return home and his desire to retrieve his forks from the bottom of the ocean. Althea glared at him again, and that settled the matter. I would be honored, your highness. I should return to my daughters as soon as possible. Then please excuse us. It has been an honor. Prince Edric bowed. His gaze lingered on Lady Annabel for a few moments before he turned and walked away. Dale expressed his fervent thanks to the royal family and hurried after the prince. Good riddance, Dowager Queen Bernadine signed to Fiora. Fiora laughed out loud, not caring that her voice filled the room. Gustav smiled at her. Will you join me for breakfast, Princess Fiora? Of course, King Gustav. Just Gustav now. Fiora smirked. You'll be a prince of merfolk when we're married. Gustav flushed, and Fiora winked at him. There's plenty of time to work all that out. So we agree that Gustav and Fiora should go to Ionia and see what Lena knows about mixed magic. Colette asked Madame Isla. The mermaid nodded. I don't know this Lena, but if she is knowledgeable about magic, then Fiora must speak with her. Sit by me, Gustav whispered, pulling a chair next to his. Fiora sat and stared at her plate. It looked delicious, as the food in Montaigne always did, but she felt too nervous about traveling to Ionia to eat anything. It might as well have been mermaid mush. And what about Princess Elspeth? Dowager Queen Bernadine said. Should we send a message to Kel to inform King Fergal what happened? Do you think he was involved? Everyone looked to Fiora. I have no idea, she said. Kel has had some problems lately, but my father never told me about them in detail. He only stressed that it was essential that I marry a prince so Kel could have an ally. That seemed a world and a lifetime ago. That does seem curious, Prince Leonardo said. The sudden demise of Prince Darian of Eldria also seemed suspicious, Bernadine said. Demise? He isn't dead, Colette said. But he doesn't seem the sort to give up the throne easily, Gustav said. I wonder what happened. I'm sure it was nothing untoward, Lady Annabelle said. Everyone ignored her. I don't know anything of this Darian either, Madame Isla signed. What happened to him? It seems I have missed even more than I thought, King Francois said. I agree we should discuss these matters, but perhaps we should negotiate with the mermaids while they are here since their time on shore is limited. Finally, someone with sense, Althea signed. Your Majesty, before we begin the negotiations, I would be interested to know what you remember about your enchantment. Not much, Francois admitted. But I'm happy to answer your questions as best I can. Althea took that as an invitation to launch into a series of rapid questions in sign language. King Francois answered her in sign language, taking his time as he tried to remember details. Across the table, Madame Isla signed with Colette and Bernadine, asking them about the finer points of using silverware. Zoe tossed her golden ball into the air, 
capturing the conversations so that Queen Galaris could see them later. Leonardo and Lenora chatted with Elaine, describing their library and planning the details of her visit. Lady Annabelle fluttered her eyelashes at Leonardo, trying and failing to catch his notice. Kathleen kept her attention on Fiora and Gustav. She winked when she noticed Fiora's questioning gaze. The mermaid looked even happier than usual. Fiora smiled at her aunt and twisted the pearl ring around her finger. Gustav bent over and kissed her cheek, and for the first time in her life, Fiora felt that she belonged. She had two families now, and both loved her. Gustav loved her enough to step away from his country and join her in the strange place she occupied between sea and land. They would make their own way together. It seemed that even when you were part of two worlds, both could feel like home. Epilogue Gustav, she won't be happy to see me. Fiora signed so the servant leading them wouldn't overhear. Walking through the halls of the Ionian castle brought back unpleasant memories of the princess test. Her desperate attempts to win Alaric and get Lena disqualified. Her humiliation when she had won and still not been chosen. Fiora took a deep breath and gritted her teeth. She regretted everything about that time, but the experience had led her to Gustav. She didn't regret that. And if Lena had answers, then Fiora needed to face her. I'm sure it will be fine. What will we do if they kick us out? Gustav raised an eyebrow. What exactly happened between you and Lena at the princess test? The servant looked back at them. Fiora glared and gestured for him to keep walking. She didn't exactly expect them to kick her out. She wouldn't let them when so much hung in the balance. But she wouldn't be surprised if they tried. The servant led them to a door that Fiora recognized as the way to the throne room. It was closed. It seems that Princess Evangelina is already in council. If you'll wait here, the footman will open the door and fetch you when she is finished. Fiora nodded, and the servant hurried away. Gustav waited patiently, leaning against the wall and studying the ceiling. I think those tiles were in a different pattern the last time I was here. Fiora glanced up at the ceiling, but didn't comment. She had been too focused on Alaric when she was here to notice the ceiling. She clasped her hands together, then unclasped them and paced in front of the door, trying to burn off the nervous energy coursing through her veins. They shouldn't keep her waiting. To be fair, they didn't know she was waiting. Or maybe they did. Maybe Lena had decided not to see Fiora. Maybe she meant to send her away just like her father had. Fiora, look at me. Fiora looked. Gustav's eyes were as warm and steady as always. He took her hands and smiled. It will be fine. He sounded so sure that she almost believed him. Fiora studied his face, basking in the affection in his expression. She felt the urge to glance at her pearl ring to confirm that he still loved her. She didn't need magical confirmation of Gustav's feelings now. Muffled voices on the other side of the door interrupted the moment. Fiora stared at the doorknob, suddenly very tempted to eavesdrop. Gustav met her gaze, and Fiora knew he was having similar thoughts. He was just too polite to do anything about them. Keep watch. Gustav stepped back so he could watch the hallway for anyone coming their way. Fiora leaned her ear against the door. 
I just want to make sure you understand the serious nature of this mission, Prince Alaric said. We have heard reports of dark magic in Eldria, but Prince Darian has not answered any of my letters regarding the matter. I'm sending you to investigate, but there will be serious consequences if you're discovered. Fjord raised an eyebrow and signed a translation for Gustav. He looked intrigued. Apparently they weren't the only ones to notice something strange happening in Eldria. Investigate? We're simply sneaking away to see the mountain scenery and spend some time together. That was Princess Karina, and Fiora could practically hear the smirk in her voice. But who was going with her? Honestly, brother. You don't think we can handle a simple intelligence-gathering mission to a neighboring kingdom. You're talking to Santel's greatest spy and the man who is her equal in cleverness. Apparently Prince Stefan, the second oldest prince, had been chosen as backup on the mission. Interesting. He had seemed quite useless at the princess test. As had Karina. Fjord realized Gustav was waiting and quickly summarized the conversation for him. She kept her ear pressed against the door so she didn't miss any additional comments. Karina and Stefan are in there. Now Gustav was the one who looked nervous. He eyed the hallway as if he was considering making a run for it. Fiora was too busy laughing at his expression to notice the approaching footsteps on the other side of the door. It opened, and Fiora fell inside, sprawling onto Queen Marta. The queen caught her and helped her regain her balance. Oh? Hello, dear? Fiora smoothed her dress and stepped back. The Ionian queen looked just as Fiora remembered from the princess test. Short and stout with frizzy brown hair and a friendly face. More goat herder than queen, even after years on the throne. Queen Marta, please forgive us, Gustav said. We were told to wait here until your council finished. He bowed low. Marta smiled at him. Oh, hello, your majesty. I'm sorry you were kept waiting. We didn't receive word that you were planning to visit. Well, we didn't exactly plan it, Gustav said. He paused seeming unsure how to continue. There was a kraken attack in Montaigne, and some unusual magic was used, Fiora said. We thought Lena might be able to help us understand it. Oh? Well, in that case, you'd better go in at once. Queen Marta gestured towards the hallway that led to the throne room. Oh, we can wait until she's done speaking with Stefan and Karina, Gustav said. We wouldn't want to disturb them. Marta raised an eyebrow, as if to remind him that she had just caught Fiora eavesdropping on that very same council. Thank you, Fiora said. She hurried down the hallway, leaving Gustav and Queen Marta behind to sort through the necessary formalities. She wanted to see whatever was happening in the throne room for herself. Just be careful, Lena said. You never know. Fiora had intended to hide in the shadows and eavesdrop, but the throne room's ceiling had disappeared, leaving the room more brightly lit than she expected. Sunlight glinted off her red hair as she rounded the corner. Lena scowled. What are you doing here? Fiora wasn't quite sure how to answer that question, so she glared instead, her shoulders tense and her head held high. Lena glared back. The shadow warrior wore an elegant black dress and a headband covered with a multitude of jewels. Her green eyes narrowed with suspicion at Fiora. 
Prince Alaric's eyes were wide with alarm. He wore a military uniform, which was much less stylish than anything he had worn at the prince's test, but his long blonde hair was still curled and hung loose down his shoulders. Fiora smirked a little. Thank goodness he hadn't chosen her as his bride. He was handsome in his way, but she much preferred Gustav. Prince Stefan looked just as Fiora remembered. Spiky brown hair and a mischievous expression that promised trouble. Princess Karina stood beside him with her hand resting on his shoulder. Her curly blonde hair hung loose down her back, and she wore the most ridiculous frilly pink gown Fiora had ever seen. Karina studied Fiora for a moment, then curtsied and pulled Stefan towards the door. We'll just be going then, she said. Yes, I'm sure you all have a lot to talk about. Stefan said. He and Karina sprinted out of the room while Prince Alaric sputtered something about giving them further instructions. They weren't listening anyway, Lena said. Warnings to be careful are wasted on those two. She glared at Fiora again and put her hand possessively on Alaric's shoulder. I'm here for you, not him, Fiora said. Lena and Alaric gaped at her, and Fiora wished she hadn't said anything at all. In some ways, not having a voice had been rather convenient. She felt a hand rest supportively against her back and didn't need to look to know that Gustav had joined her. She leaned against him, wishing that they were back in Montaigne and didn't have to deal with Lena and magic and everything else in the world. King Gustav. This is a pleasant surprise. Prince Alaric sounded far more surprised than pleased. Lena relaxed a little. It's good to see you again, King Gustav. It's just Gustav now, your majesty. Oh? Both Lena and Alaric looked intrigued. A lot has happened, Fiora said. Her voice lilted, as it always did when her emotions ran away with her. Gustav wrapped an arm around her waist and pulled her closer. Lena raised an eyebrow. Apparently it has. Should we clear our schedule for the day? Alaric. I have a feeling this will take a while. Alaric nodded. Lena fixed her gaze on Fiora, looking more curious than hostile now. Fiora sighed. It was going to be a long day. It will be fine, Gustav signed. We'll figure this out together. Fiora looked into his calm gray eyes, and suddenly, she believed him. As long as they were together, they could face anything. She wrapped her arms around him and kissed him. Gustav kissed her back, ignoring the fact that this was definitely not a proper place for such things. Maybe I should learn sign language, Prince Alaric said thoughtfully. Lena laughed and kissed her husband on the cheek. He pulled her close, and for a moment, both couples forgot their troubles. 